Welcome to Between the Slides, Episode 17, Personnel Accountability and the Resource Unit. I'm your host, Kevin Pinnell. If there's one unit to stand up during a critical incident, beyond unified command, and in addition to operations, it's the resource unit. Why, you ask? Because the primary responsibility of this unit is to provide personnel accountability for our brothers and sisters in the field. Nothing is more important than that. It lets us know where they are, which could lead us to know how we can rescue them. It lets us know how many people we need to feed when they've been on the scene, all in their kit, when it's hot outside and we need to rehydrate them. And it lets us know and lets them know that we're out there checking on them because we're going to do PAR checks, personnel accountability report checks every so often. During this episode, I'm going to share how I've seen and, and been part of or led resource units and, and successfully, how I've seen them fail uh, for both planned events and no-notice incidents. And then I'll relate these to the NIMS ICS All Hazards Resource Unit Leader course, uh, the E-965, which you can take at the Emergency Management Institute, or there's plenty of other companies that, that go around and teach and relate those between the slides five, that practical application of this skill set to how it equates to the course, and more importantly, how you can apply these as a resource unit leader or as providing accountability somehow uh, to your people in the field. So these will be on the show notes page of the website, betweentheslides.com. Uh, look for updates as well, again, on uh, Twitter at PSC to PMP, Instagram, same thing. And check me out there, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, all the other places. So let's get started in this Between the Slides 5. The first thing to me that, that is critically important when you are taking this class. So again, if you've listened to the podcast, if you're progressing as we are kind of on this show and in your personal incident management skill set, then you've taken the basic courses. You took that week-long 305 boot camp. Now it's time to step up and specialize in an area. So let's say we're going down this path, which we're going down because I went down it. Uh, and really, as myself and some of my other instructors that have taught this course or other planning section courses, we actually started at the chief level and realized we needed to shore up gaps at the unit level. That's when the money was available. That's the classes we had. So that's what we did. So I will say in hindsight, if you can go unit like this resource unit, then planning section chief class or sit unit planning section chief or a couple units, then the chief class do that because you're going to build that, that knowledge base. Even if you don't get a lot of practical application, you at least have a better book base before you get to kind of that chief level and become that leader. So, Looking at, at units really one, two, and three from the resource unit leader course, they're focused on you know a course intro and, and let's learn the process and what's your job as a resource unit leader. And there's no getting around the fact that if you are coming up in the planning section, and particularly if you're gonna be a resource unit leader and take this class, you absolutely have to know the planning process, that planning P, you have to know it. You can't phone that skill set in. You have to study it. You have to be able to walk people through it. You're an integral part as a resource unit leader in almost every aspect of it. You may grab that incident brief 201 because you were there on scene and helped start to get accountability with a notepad, which I've talked about in the past and we'll touch on again. And you're certainly going to be a key player in the tactics meeting when operations and you and logistics and safety 
are going to get together and solve the problems that the incident commander or unified commander asks you to by saying, hey, here's the objectives. You all go figure out how to tactically make this happen. And then you're going to do you're going to do forms. There's no getting around it. You're going to be heavy into doing those work assignments, those 204s, the 203 and whatever else you need to do. Um, you may even make maps and help sit with weather. It depends on how many staff you have. But primarily, you also then need to figure out of all these resources that I'm going to help operations uh, find and put together how am I going to track these and we'll get into that in a little bit but so my first of the between the slides five just to kind of spell it out is you have to know the process and you have to know the forms very well there's no getting around it so if you don't want to do that don't be a resource unit leader don't work in the resource unit it's not for you it's critical and you just you have to be a reference you're starting to become a subject matter expert if you're going into the planning and if you progress and become a planning section chief you are by default going to help lead the team because everyone's going to come to you. It's like being a project manager. As a project manager, I use a very similar skill set. I've talked about that before as I did as a planning section chief. Uh, I'm not actually in charge or own any resources unless I have staff assigned to me as a plans chief. But my job is to coordinate and facilitate and game show host us through that process. So again, know the process, know the forms. That That's a lot of what one, two, and three cover. It talks about your responsibilities. What is the process you'll do a review at this point? You will have you will have gone through that a bit in the 305 class, right? Gotten through those last couple of days where you're pushed and work hard and that's good. So review that before you take this resource unit leader class. Because again, the time to learn it by now is not again in the class. So kind of hammering that in there. The second thing I think uh, it, that's critically important is in the real world, yes, we have to know forms. Yes, we have to know process. But if you show up on a scene, and, and an example I used because it was, I think it was a great win, even though it didn't solve the problem, so to speak, was when myself and plenty of others responded to the shooting of one of our own folks, um, lost a law enforcement officer. It was a horrible day. And after the, the quick on scene stuff was done and the area was flooded with law enforcement and a bunch of other folks, uh, myself and another colleague, a law enforcement officer and some other ones were going, okay, let's look at this. And I was tapped to say, hey, let's do some planning stuff. And the first thing we did was get a notepad and get names. That's it. No fancy forms, no putting up a wall chart of a planning P. It was let's figure out who was on scene. So again, if something bad happens, we know where our people are. We know, you know, about how many folks we may need to feed and, and, you know, support in some other ways logistically, which, which this was critical to help with that. So if you respond to a critical incident, if you're responding to an incident or even for event, just start with accountability. How are you going to get that? Are you going to do it, you know, on a whiteboard because you don't have a ton of people and you have room? Are you going to go down the road of using T cards and you'll get into that in this course? That's those card stock, literally shaped like a T things where you can track who's where and put them in order. Um, but the forms and the process, meaning trying to trying to shoehorn people through a process when they're in the middle of dealing with losing one of their folks or just the overwhelmingness of having, I don't know, 50, 60 law enforcement officers kitted up, looking around, everyone's armed, everyone's kind of in shock. Plus you have the public, all that kind of stuff. It's overwhelming. So don't push people into a process because it's not a classroom, right? That You have to realize when you have plenty of comfortable time for a planned event or a class, and when you don't, when you're out in the real world, it's no different. If you're going down this road of incident management training and you're taking this resource unit leader course and you're trying to grow in this skill set, then, then by default, I'm going to assume, which I, I understand the sayings that go with that, that you and your job 
are familiar with working with people. So it's the same thing. So you have to get a read for that. So while the first thing I said is you have to know the process and the forms, more importantly than that, secondarily, is you have to just be able to capture accountability and in the real world, know when to push and know when not to push. So again, start with accountability. The forms and the process can wait. So that's happened too on a, on a, on a big fire where a bunch of us that were spun up as plan chiefs, but then we just worked it out and we're, you know, didn't let our egos and silos get in the way and said, I'll do this unit, you do that unit, whatever. We didn't end up filling out, I don't think, a single form, but we got all the jobs done, which is great. Another key thing to remember, and my third of the Between the Slides 5 here, is that accountability should not be limited by the patch that's on your arm, right? So we're getting into units four and five, where again, we're talking about, you know, what's what's this person's job and what do status check-in recorders do? And that's when you start to staff up. So a status check-in recorder is the staff that works for the resource unit leader. So I'm not gonna only take, if I'm from EMS, I'm not gonna only take accountability for my people and not fire and not police and not any other organization. Accountability means it's everyone, right? So if you are only getting accountability for your people, it's selfish, it's unsafe, it's fueled by egos and silos and you need to stop doing it. And that's just, that's just fact. So accountability means we care about all of us, all the different patches, all the different ranks, all the different uniforms or non-uniforms, right? Say you're working a big event and it's a disease outbreak. You know, public health folks don't wear uniforms, but you need to make sure they're looped in. So my third between the slides five is when you're considering and getting that accountability that's more important than the forms in the process, make sure you do it for every single one of your partners and that you can do it at the drop of a hat meaning you show up on a scene and grab that notepad and just start rolling because you know that's critical, or you are fortunate because you have a planned event to have a roster and you collect the roster from everyone. What I will caution greatly is that you cannot get lulled into a false sense of security assuming that someone's gonna give you a roster every time because the first time they don't, and that's your comfort zone, you're gonna be useless as a resource unit leader or staff and you're not gonna be able to function. So, easily remedied, just remember, oh, I don't have a roster, but I know I need to find out who's here for safety. And then down the road, when we figure out tactics, I can know how we plug these people in based on what operations stood for, or asked for rather, and the types of resources. And that's how you function every day. Consider a roster that's printed because you know factors in there are, you know, rosters ahead of time are great. And, and if we could have that all the time, it'd be fantastic. But again, I've seen so many folks get frozen because they don't have that and then they can't really function. So make sure that doesn't happen to you. Um, the, the roster, you know, when you have a pre-planned event, just practically, it helps with planning for overtime costs. It helps with manpower shift for, you know, station coverage or precinct coverage or, you know, the office coverage, whatever, wherever that resource is coming from. But again, as a resource unit leader and as any incident management practitioner in general, I'll say, you have to be able to apply the skills that you develop, whether I give you five minutes to show up on a scene or five months to plan for something. So third thing, accountability shouldn't be limited by patches. And again, you should be able to do that at the drop of a hat or if you have time ahead of time. So when you get into units six and seven, you're talking about operational planning, right? So as a resource unit leader, you should be, this is my fourth of the between the slides five, you should be well-versed in helping the operations group resources together. And I don't mean just use groups as in the functional piece of it, 
But as a resource unit leader, part of your job is kind of an advisor to operations or whoever else you're working with on, wow, having 30 people report to one person, maybe we could chop that up into 10 or, or three rather, 10 person law enforcement strike teams, for instance. And I use them as an example, not to pick on law enforcement. That's actually a great opportunity to kind of break the span of control uh, NIMS police rule, we'll say. Because again, law enforcement folks are used to working alone. So many times we've had 10 person law enforcement strike teams. So now if I have three strike teams, that's three people that report to one and then a 10 to one ratio, but it's 10 to one that's kind of comfortable going up to operations. So if you can picture that, instead of having all 30 people report to operations, have three strike team leaders and each of those leaders report to ops, and then the 10 people below them report to the strike team leaders, right? So as the resource unit leader, and in planning in general, but particularly resource unit leader, you have to have kind of an operational mind to be able to break down the tactics and know what's where and then advise on span of control, advise on, hey, do you think it should be divisions or groups or branches, um, strike teams, task forces, what do those mean? And, it, and a lot of times for places that haven't adopted incident management completely that are still kind of like in episode seven when uh, my buddy Mike Snodder mentioned, you know, maybe someone's using an out of the box kind of either either ops plan or they're going to their you know prescribed uh, plan that they're always doing or, or, the, or the canned response, I think was the term actually he used. Uh, then you have to help them break out of that. So you have to be able to speak to what's the terminology we can start to mix in there at this opportunity. Oh, you're used to a squad. Well, that's kind of like a strike team or whatever nomenclature someone is used to. How can you kind of nims that up a little bit and get it more in compliance? Because remember, actual compliance makes a difference on the street. It's not just good for the paperwork, for the grants and to say, yep, we're NIMS compliant and you know, don't, don't write us up or whatever. It, it makes a huge difference. So if you're well-versed in process, in terminology, in how best to kind of help that span of control and help the org chart be functional, not just pretty to show everyone's name on it, then you will make a huge difference both, you know, in this class, uh, in the planning for an event, when you show up to help in a no-notice uh, incident, it'll make a huge difference. So my fourth is be well-versed in helping operations group their resources together. The last thing, so oftentimes, and I have grouped together or been grouped together to be the resource unit leader and the demobilization unit leader. Now, this comes from you know a lot of this incident command system that we used in the all hazards world or continue to use and continue to grow came from that legacy of the military to wildland firefighting to us so you know there's a big uh, i would say a much more pressing need to have a separate demobilization unit leader in the wildland world or where you have huge amounts of people than to keep it in the resource unit but when we supported um, the UCI 2015, that really big bike event, we had a resource unit with just management positions instead of breaking out a separate unit. So the gist of number five for me though, is if you help to get them in, you need to help get them out safely. And that's what, when you get into unit eight in the course, focuses on demobilization and then kind of a course overview. So again, if I'm the resource unit leader, a huge part of my job where it goes over that and I think four and five, what's the resource unit leader's responsibilities? is 
to establish either remote check-in spots to say, hey, we're going to call the group supervisors and they're going to tell us that they've checked all their folks in or in the perfect world or, or you've worked it out and it, and it works for timing and getting resources on duty that everyone's coming through one place to get all their stuff and check in and find out where they work before the ops brief. There's, there's a mix of, of what can work and not. The ultimate goal is, again, we know all our people are here safe. We know where they're working. So if something bad happens, we can get to them. We're going to check on them every hour or two hours or whatever, you know, par check tempo you develop. And operations agrees that, yes, that will work. So again, as a resource unit leader, you're not just going to say, here's what we're going to do, ops. You're going to work with them as partners. You're going to talk to plans if you have a plans chief. So again, just like operations, we're only going to make the boxes we need, not just make a giant you know, org chart just because it's cool. In the planning section, if, if we don't need all the units and we don't even need a planning section chief, we just need a couple unit leaders and the span of control is good to go just direct to the incident commander for an event or even showing up, then that's great. So just think about that. So what we need to do, though, is make sure that we're communicating. So logistics we've worked with to give us that space to, to have check-in and, and check-out or demobilization. Um, operations agrees, yep, you know what, I'm going to put that on my group soups because that's why they're supervisors. Or, nope, I want everyone to come through this big giant warehouse um, to have the briefing here, to have them get their stuff here. We'll track them here. Again, it, a lot of that is dependent on what resources do you have, what resources don't you have, what people do you have? What's, what credentials do they have? And not just did they take this class, because again, like any class, just because you have the certificate doesn't mean you're actually that position or can function in the world in that position. So what, what I mean is if you have a lot of trainees that don't have a lot of experience, that changes the game as a resource unit leader into what you can delegate and what you may need to provide a little bit more guidance on. So I'm a huge, as I've mentioned, Jocko Willink fan and one of the great um, concepts he mentions is decentralized command, you know, so here's what I want you all to do. You all figure it out. It's a, it's very similar to an incident commander, a good one saying, okay, here's the objectives ops. You go figure out the tactics to it. And then you come tell me, and, and unless something seems really off, then you'll just work together. So as a resource unit leader, same thing. So if you have some newer status check and recorders, or you have a trainee, it will change whether you say, hey, go find a good place for check-in versus when you find a go good place for check-in or demobilization, make sure that we can get good throughput, or we can get people in and out well, that they come in, they sign in first, then get their stuff, then go out, and then we'll reverse that where they give us their stuff back and sign out, and we make sure that their work-rest ratio is good. So you may have to just provide a little more feedback. So for... The resource unit, there, there's so much. This is a, a whole week-long class uh, that's super hard to capture and really, really isn't the intent of this podcast anyway. If you're going to take this class, you're going to take it. So what I want you to remember, though, when you're sitting there getting the book stuff, because, again, there's variability in instruction. Some people hit you with slide, 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 hiding behind the podium, not going to talk to you. And some folks are very interactive. Um, I think... Myself and my colleagues are very fortunate to have developed a pretty good skill set where you know we use the official slides because you have to, and then we really relate without killing you with you know war stories on here's how you can apply this, here's how you should apply this, here's how you shouldn't apply this. And again, a lot of that shouldn't comes from, from things we, we did or didn't do. And some of those examples are getting hemmed up because we didn't have a roster or um, not developing a good accountability 
and, and, you know, making assumptions or myself, um, for that, that bike race, assuming, oh, they'll just go set it up. We found them space. They'll set up a really, uh, efficient check-in check-out process, which folks did and they worked hard and they, they did the best. And what I didn't do was I didn't verify, are we having a good throughput is the, is the process. And the funny thing is my whole mission statement, you know, for years as a public health emergency coordinator was maximum throughput. My, my statement was to get a 10 day supply of antibiotics to over 300,000 people in 48 hours. Well, that's all about throughput. And where I failed as a resource unit leader was I didn't help my folks be more efficient. They rocked it out and worked so hard, um, but I had to make kind of a course correction to say, okay, let's not brief and check in and do everything in the same room. Let's use this hallway. Let's do this or that. So again, when you do training, particularly when you get into this resource unit or any unit leader, you're a leader, right? So you're going to think about who's on my team, who's in my unit, what are their skill sets, what can I delegate, what can't I? Um, and, and that's a huge factor in the success of your people that you are going to set the tone with. So let's run through one more time. So my between the slides five for being a resource unit leader and when you take this class is first, you have to know the process and forms and you have to know them very well. There's no getting around that. So when you go through the first few units, you'll go over process, you'll go over uh, some forms, maybe the critical things that, that you're helping with, like that 215 worksheet where you're helping develop tactics, uh, certainly the 203, 204s, and really whatever else is needed. Second, start with getting accountability in the real world, then worry about the forms and the process later, or don't. Just make sure you get that accountability and you can do it whether someone gives you a fancy printed roster or I give you a pad of paper and say, go walk around and recruit other people and get accountability. Third, accountability should not be limited by patches. It's unsafe, it's lessons learned. We see over and over again in after action reports um, from particularly mass shootings or other things where even people trained well together when, when the balloon goes up. And again, I wasn't there, those particular incidents. But when you see there's division in my post, your post, my people, your people, just squash all that and just get it for everybody. Fourth, be very well versed in helping operations group resources together. So how can you maintain span and control? And that doesn't mean kind of, you know, getting out of your lane because you want to do tactics. That means, hey, ops, maybe we should consider uh, that strike team concept to kind of break this up. What do you think? So that's a different suggestion than, well, I think you should use three cops for this or that when it's not your place to do that. Uh, the fifth thing is if, if you helped get folks in by establishing check-in, and sending check-in recorders and having remote or calling or whatever, then you should also be part of a big part or in charge of getting folks home safely. And that demobilization process isn't just piecing out and leaving from your post, right? It's making sure they either checked out through their group soups, team leaders, et cetera, and then those team leaders and group soups told you, or they came back to the place to give us the stuff back and then signed out and we made sure they looked good. If they look like they're falling down tired, that's another thing is, hey, Maybe we need to intervene and, and talk to ops and say we need to you know set up something where people can rest. So that's my kind of quick uh, between the slides five for resource unit. If you have any further questions, please uh, send me an email, uh, kp.bts.podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on the website, comments, socials, etc. cetera. Um, it's all will be in the show notes and on the uh, website with uh, the notes as well. So thanks again for subscribing, rating, reviewing, providing your feedback um, on all the various platforms I mentioned. Stay safe out there. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. If if one person that's trying to push their folks to do incident management more collaboratively 
listens to this, makes one change, and it saves one life, then it makes this whole podcast worth it. It makes every time we try and work together worth it. Um, I've been down a similar road than probably some of you are going down as far as trying to push for the right thing. No one to push, no one to give. That's another lesson learned. But just do the best that you can, and good things will happen. Work together collaboratively, and we will make people safer. We will be able to save lives faster and make projects more efficient. And this is a very incident management-focused um, episode, and, and it that's on purpose. But you can see some kind of common themes with this as well. So thank you all very much for listening. Stay safe, and Godspeed. <laughs>